whoever was starting to talk, I'm sorry, I was cutting you off. I had to, I have my little numbers right beside the phone so that when I have a mind card and I can't remember, I can just see them. So whenever I say I don't know what to do, just know that I've got my little crib sheet right here to keep me going. Good morning. Glad you're with us. This is Dorcas Smith, Granny D, out of Plymouth, Michigan. And I am a retired special ed teacher. I think I want to tell you that I probably was a fighter all my life. I'm a survivor. And um, I grew up in Ireland in the 70s and moved to Canada. Actually, no, I grew up in Ireland in the 60s and I moved to Canada in the 70s and then I moved to America in the 80s. I'm a gypsy, truly, but I'm a survivor. So just know that wash your hands, change your clothes, have a system, we will do this because we are amazing people, but we do need to stay at home. I'm, I'm kind of concerned that our business people think that we, I'm sorry, but grandma is not dispensable. And I'm hearing that from a bunch of governors and that really, really bothers me. Every soul in this world is very, very important. Anyway, as I said, I'm a fighter. So, and I'm a little toughy. And I, I love New Skin because I believe New Skin is one of the ways that I have stayed well and healthy. Um, my muscle level, my muscle percentage is now 31%. My fat is 25%. And it is because of this call and because of TR90 and Body Burn 30 and Rishi Max and Nanopack and Vitality and I also still have Immune Formula and AIE10 Ultra. So thanks to all these amazing food supplements, I am well and healthy and you can be too. Newskin is definitely the way to go and our phone call is obviously a support call to help you do this. All right, so I'm really sad. I'm on the last chapter of Go Wild for You by John Rady and Richard Manning. And I'm on the section where um, John Rady is talking about how this book affected him and changed his life. Let me start here. Upon moving away from Beaver, and on to medical school, sleep was one of the first things to go, so make sure you're sleeping, everybody. I was surviving on fumes, burning the candle at both ends and as a medical student and a resident at Massachusetts Mental Health Center. If I could have, I would have stayed awake 24 at 7. It must have been that exciting for him, because this was the mecca of psychiatric training. There I met with the world-famous sleep researcher, Dr. Alan Hobson. The irony is, although I was sleep-deprived then, he would become a good friend, guide, and mentor. We spent many of our days and nights in a lab observing animal behavior in studies of sleep onset and trying to unpack what sleep was. This was the beginning of neuroscience. Sleep was the subject of great interest, and it seemed as though as we would, that we would discover what it is for. 
But as we said earlier in our sleep chapter, we still don't know the answer. We just don't know why we need sleep. Well, I think I do. I think it's how we reorganize our life. We take the memories that are good and put them into hard drive, and we forget the stuff that we don't need to remember. And we rebuild our brain every night so that it's ready for the next day. Anyway, he says, I knew that eight hours was necessary for a good night's sleep, but in my whole life I had never gotten close to this regimen. I was the wellness revolutionary who was proud of how little sleep he needed and even bragged about it. I realize now how wrong I was, and today I see that the more sleep I get, the better. Me too. I didn't get enough sleep, and it caused me great grief. Now that I'm sleeping better and trying to get eight hours of sleep, you realize you need to sleep one hour for every two hours you are awake. The head and emotional leader of the department was Elvin Samrad, Simrad, S-E-M-R-A-D. He was all about connecting with your patients and their bodies, how they felt, and how you could empathize with them. He shooed us away from constructs and reading and instead, us, instead got us to observe ourselves in the moment. We needed to be present with our patients to deeply understand how they felt, both in their body and at an unconscious level. This wasn't about a symptom checklist, but about being mindful and getting them to be mindful of how and where they were in pain. Connection is one of the most important tenets of my personal life as well. I do not work or live well alone, and so family, friends, and co-workers are a consistent or a constant support. My good friend and collaborator, Ned Hollowell, and you guys are going to hear more about Ned Hollowell because he's coming into some of my discussions in the future, is a champion at emphasizing the need to work at this to create the time and rituals to connect regularly with friends. But the power of this was quite evident. We needed to ritualize it with ironclad times or it would go away. I always created or joined groups that interested me and kept me going professionally. Bessel van der Kolk, V-E-S-S-E-L, van der D-E-R-K-O-L-K, and others started a group focused on trauma, attention, and neuroscience. And we have met every second Monday of the month for more than 20 years with frequent guest speakers on a wide variety of subjects. He says, I have never written alone and have a new tribe formed with the gentleman who co-writes this book with me, Dick Manning. Along with appreciating the power of connection, I have had a profound respect for the effect of movement on our brains and psyches. If you learn nothing from what I've talked about in the last month from Go Wild, it's you must move. Exercise is deeply ingrained in my DNA, and I feel it. From my early days in medical school, I saw the power of movement and its ability to regulate emotional well-being. If you're upset or you're anxious, go for a walk. By the time you're finished, you'll have a new view. 
in medical school, I saw an article about a hospital in Norway that was admitting depressed patients and offering our then brand new miracle drugs, the antidepressants that affected Nora, Nora Ephraim, I can never say that word, or the exercise program three times a day. The hospital claimed that each treatment had the same results. This idea stuck with me during my residency when the Boston Marathon was just booming. Everyone, or almost everyone, was training for the marathon, or at least running. In the 70s, we had just discovered endorphins, and everyone was talking about the endorphin rush and its power to stave off depression. Simplistic causality was the rule. And he has a little exclamation point there. When I learned that drugs that approximated the effects of chronic exercise and meditation, the beta blockers that act to tamp down the drive of the sympathetic nervous system and allow the parasympathetic to take over, were useful for aggression, violence, autistic disruptive behaviors, self-abuse, anxiety, social anxiety, stress-related disorders in general, and certain attention deficit disorders. The magical effect of exercise on my own and others' attention systems led to a whole nother, another career writing about ADHD, and that's where I found John Rahey was on his work with ADHD, and it really, really helped me because I thought I had serious ADHD, and now I just realized that it was another whole bunch of other stuff too, which was part of it was not eating correctly, not exercising, not sleeping, not getting enough water. I made myself sick, but then I made myself well again, thanks to books like this. So, the magical effect of exercise on my own and others' attention systems led to another whole career of writing about ADHD, then to the brain itself, and finally to exercise. In my most recent book, Spark, the revolutionary new science of exercise and the brain, and I've also read Spark to you guys on this call. Spark is amazing. And I like John Rady because he's easy to understand and he makes sense. So he says, after reviewing more than a thousand papers for this book, I redoubled my efforts to exercise daily despite my overly jammed schedule. I run, use the gym frequently to provide the, scaffold, the scaffolding for other activities, and love hiking, and a big part of most vacations is physical activity in the mountains or near the water. With all my training and access to the greatest minds in Harvard and MIT, the interconnectedness of concepts in this book never really hit me until a chance encounter in a gym in a small town on the eastern coast of northern Michigan. Go, Michigan! It was here I met Casey Stutzman, S-T-U-T-Z-M-A-N, Stutzman, who would send me on a journey I never anticipated. It was here while on a vacation with my wife that I put the final pieces of the puzzle together. 
Alyssa's family cottage is fairly wild, and we were surrounded by nature, with the beauty of Lake Huron at our doorstep. We relished sleep until we were no longer tired, and it was the perfect environment to connect with each other and disconnect with, from the world. The only internet connection involved a drive to the local library. Of course, exercise is always a must, and whenever we are in the world, Alicia and I seek out a gym or a hike. Being in Harrisville, Michigan, was no ex no exception. It meant a 45-minute drive to the biggest city in the area, Alpena, a town of 13,000. In what would would and what some would consider in the middle of nowhere. It is in the middle of nowhere. By the but it has the most beautiful lakes. It has the most beautiful waterfront onto the lake. It's a fabulous place. But is it? It's in the middle of nowhere. By the oddest of coincidence, though. It is the town where Dick was raised, Dick Manning, leading me to realize that there's something special in the waters of the Great Lakes. It was at the gym connected to the Regional Hospital Rehab Center that we met an enthusiastic, cutting-edge trainer, Casey Stutzman, always expanding his knowledge and introducing the community to the latest development. He was offering Tabata, and TRX training well before our fancy Los Angeles and Boston health clubs did. Casey incorporates fun and challenge into each hour, and every year since that first one, we've looked forward to our week away from the maddening crowd, in part because it means we get to work with him. After one very challenging class, I told him that I, we had just signed on to write this book, and he immediately piped up about his wife, Mary Beth's life-changing experience when she began a new diet, how she had been, how bad she had been feeling, and how it had saved her life. He had also changed his diet and found that he had a lot more energy, focus, and joy in his life. This inspired me and I began to both change my diet and make sure I got outside more. Like many of my colleagues, I had been lowering my carbohydrate and trans fat intake for years, but now I approached this with a new vigor and commitment. I concentrated on eliminating all grains from my diet. That meant no more pizzas, crackers, rice, or pasta. Finally, I gave up breads, which I had previously devoured. I added more vegetables and fruit to my usual fare and began to appreciate nuts as an easy, delicious, and filling snack. I also, I also, also I started to notice that the cream in my coffee led to a GI reaction, so I stopped that ritual and found that I actually enjoyed black coffee. I'll give you one more minute. In about six weeks, I lost 10 pounds. I was close to my weight in high school, and I was never overweight, but I had gotten a little soft around the middle, as most people do, my age. Now Alicia calls me the faux paleo, because I still have Manhattans when I am at the bar or at a restaurant. I'm fanatical about the diet. And it's difficult to be, given my tra travel schedule, but I do notice that in restaurants and even in airports, things are changing a bit, 
with a low with low carb options and farm to table offerings becoming more prevalent. And I'm going to stop there. No, one more paragraph. I have to watch myself as I tend to drop below my high school weight and then I have to splurge on a pasta dinner or take a break from my usual diet for a day or two. I've found that I am now more mindful of my food and more open to new tastes and textures. I enjoy greater variety. And there we are, and I'm going to stop there for today. He's going to finish off, and then I'm going to tell you about Richard Manning's growth from next week from um, this book. Because they both say, if you write a book, you better make sure it changes your life. 